my retirement plan is to read all these biographies that I plan to read one day. I don't read them now because I, I like I like fiction too much. But when you see somebody over the long span of their career and they've done all these amazing things and then they kind of see like the pinnacle that they reached, you're like, wow, it all made sense when they did this, all these unrelated, like, when it's your life, you feel like all of these things are unrelated. Mm-hmm. At least that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Mm. But when you look at someone else, especially someone whom you admire, especially someone who you're seeing kind of at like the pinnacle of their uh of their life's work, whatever that might be, professional or otherwise. I always find that those people's paths make a lot of sense. What do events, news, and culture tell us about how to be more effective at training and communicating? Whether you're in compliance, HR, risk, or general management, effective and ethical leadership requires two things, a consistent, dependable process, and eight specific mindsets that keep you real and salient to your audience. Welcome to the Eight Mindsets Podcast. Hey guys, it's Nicole here and yes, welcome to the 8 Mindsets podcast and really excited to be doing this introduction because Jason and myself had Amy Sandu on the show uh, a few days ago Um, and in this interview that you're going to hear, it's a two-part interview, Amy's going to be talking about her career trajectory and her move from in-house to legal entrepreneur and we're going to speak with her about the mindsets, how she actually managed to, I guess, evolve herself and evolve her thinking. Um, And I think this is a really interesting and important interview for anybody, whether you are in currently in-house in a legal or compliance profession and thinking about what's the next career move going to be or even your career move in-house. And Amy really does talk about some really interesting, I think, and very and very important points um, about going out on your own, <laughs> about about the importance of being yourself and having the right logo. Um, and we're really going to dig into what her mindset was when making that choice to move in-house, an in-house lawyer corporate role, to now identifying herself as an entrepreneur. Um, we're going to speak about this, um, the difference between being a consultant um, to an entrepreneur and the importance of having a good story. So enjoy the interview. And as I said, this is the first in two parts. So Jason's gonna take the next part for next week, which is gonna be all about the intersection between ethics and entrepreneurship. So Amy Sandu, welcome to the Eight Mindsets podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me. You are very welcome. And we have a number of different um, places around the world that we are sitting today. So it is uh, 11 p.m. in Sydney, Australia, um, and um, quite dark and cold today. Um, and we are in the midst of lockdown, but that's all very different because across the water we have Jason Meyer. Jason, where are you this morning? I'm, I'm near Princeton, New Jersey. Um, where it's a bright and sunny summer day with heat advisories, uh, heat index near 100 Fahrenheit, um, and uh, and and sun streaming uh, here on the U.S. East Coast. And Amy, you are joining us 
I'm from, I'm near from, Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, and I'm just checking the weather. Good old Tio. Uh, we also um, have been in the midst of a week-long heat advisory, heat warning. Now it's dropped down to a heat warning, and so our summer is coming to an end the next couple of weeks. But it's going out with a bang. Well, that is and very it's uh, nine four nine nine a.m. ish. Well, there you go. Well, that's very cool. But let's move away from our differences and to something that I feel much more passionately about, which is our similarities. So, Amy, the reason that I was so excited about having you on the podcast is your background, where you come from, because we all share a common, I guess, <laughs> a common feature in our background is that we are all lawyers, yet we are all lawyers and we have turned. So um, quite recently, you were featured um, in the Canadian Lawyer magazine very recently, actually, just last week, I think. Um, and I think they said, if you ask Amy Sandu what she does for a living, she is just likely to say entrepreneur as much as lawyer with years of experience in corporate compliance and ethics. And it's all about going out on your own. And that was a great article, by the way. Well done. And for so many different reasons. Um, so I think it's it's so it's so great to talk about this and to talk about it as a topic that we should be having conversations about <laughs> you know, leaving this secure job and going off on your own is something we need to be communicating telling people our stories sharing i think encouraging and empowering others so i'd love for you to start with telling us why you moved from employee <laughs> to lawyer and entrepreneur um it's so funny that you asked that question because I was just saying to my sister yesterday that I don't actually believe that people make logical decisions. I think that <laughs> when people make pros and cons lists, I think they unconsciously or subconsciously <clears throat> drive the outcome that they want. You know, and you don't have to look any further than looking at like how the stock market behaves to know that people inherently do not make rational decisions. We go with our guts. And so when I was restructured out of my last employer, um, the writing was on the wall. There was quite a lot of, uh, it was a very dynamic environment. And so I, like, I knew, like, I even called my boss and said, oh, is this happening? And he's like, oh, let me, let me look into it. I'll get back to you. Um, because I was in a business unit that was undergoing quite a lot of, um, um, let's just call it, it was in a very dynamic space. And, um, and so I started thinking about it then. And I had a friend of mine who got on her own. And so she kept saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, you can go on your own. And I just kind of started thinking about what I wanted to do next. And when, when the phone call or the letter finally came, uh, releasing me, um, you know, I, it, was, it was expected. I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of what day the letter was going to come. And they'd asked me to stay for a while longer. Um, I decided I would take some time to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, but then the phone calls started coming. People started calling to say, oh, if you're available, could you help with this? Or do you have time to work on this? And so I just thought, you know what? I'm tired. I've worked really hard for a long time. Um, so I want to rest. I want to take the summer off. Um, and then the calls started coming. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I? I'll take the calls. We'll see what happens. And there was a lot of serendipity because I was having coffee uh, with, with people I knew. Sometimes someone says something to you and it takes you down a path that you didn't even know that there was a market for 
the services you, you could offer. Other times you'd have coffee with people and they would go like horribly wrong. And you're just like, what, what happened there? Um, but, but at the end of the day, I just decided I didn't want somebody telling me where I had to be at a certain time every day or at a certain location. I just wanted to be able to make my own decisions. So a lot of it for me was <laughs> driven around freedom. I wanted to have more freedom over my day. I'd been an employee for a long time where I was, so I already had some amounts of freedom that I wouldn't expect a new employer to 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 offer. Now this is all pre-pandemic. You know, I think that employers probably are in a much different space now and might be yeah. willing to give people more more freedom and flexibility. Mm -hmm. But partly it was just that freedom. And secondly, yeah. I, I just felt that, you know, when you get to a certain point in your career, um, you are aware if you are being reacted to because of your knowledge or if there's other things at play, you know, maybe yeah. you're a woman, maybe you're something else and you're like, you know what, am I really being valued the way I should be, I should be valued at this stage in my career and I'm not, you know, as we often experience with, um, systemic discrimination in workforces, it's not like one thing or one person mm -hmm. that you would ever say um, led to a negative experience, but it's just more that I just felt like, you know what, I can probably accomplish a lot mm -hmm. on my own. I, I really love that. And I, I really want to just talk about that a bit more because the question, I guess my follow-up question was, what mindset did you need or what thoughts did you have to help yourself or tell yourself to make this jump. And the reason I'm interested in this is because I know a lot of colleagues, ex-colleagues I've worked with who have been in the same position as you have, Amy. They, they've been retrenched, they've been made redundant um, and they haven't felt that great about it. And what I love about what you have done, you've been really explicit in this, in, in this um, podcast, you've been really explicit in the article but you've been transparent about the fact that you restructured you've spoken about it it's it's in writing um so a couple of things i'd love i'd love to hear the mindset that you have had that enabled you to be utterly transparent almost vulnerable and go out there and do it yourself with a family that's the first thing and i'd also love to know whether you think that this transparency has helped or hindered your career? I'll take, I'll take the second question first. Mm -hmm. um, I've been quite busy for a long time. So if it has hindered, if it has hindered, I'm grateful <laughs> because there's only so much, there's only so much one person can do. Um, in terms of if it has helped me, I will tell you that I've been involved in a lot of women entrepreneurial communities. And not where I was selling, but where I was just part of the community and learning about becoming an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I had people come to me to say that they, the, the, the feedback they were getting about me was that they didn't know lawyers could be so approachable. Mm. And so I was sort of, I was sort of told, go with that. Mm -hmm. Because there's lots of business people who need lawyers, but for, for reasons we can talk about in another podcast, they don't feel comfortable talking to lawyers, they feel intimidated, they don't feel listened to, they, they feel too small, or like mm -hmm. their problems are too, um, um, 
either too small or, or self-created. Mm-hmm. So there's all these reasons that people might not talk to a lawyer. So I was actually told you're approachable, um, you know, and it was so funny because um, I have my, my logo has like flowers in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I like flowers. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like flowers, that's fine. But I like mm-hmm. them. I'm putting them in my logo. And I actually, yep. if, I won't say I did any kind of like um, um, focused testing, focus group <laughs> testing, but the feedback did come back to me. That was part of the approachability of it, of, 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 yeah. of my, my brand, yeah. which again, it wasn't, I didn't set out to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I like flowers. I like these flowers. So I think that in terms of hurting or hindering, I think there's enough people mm-hmm. in this world that we're always going to attract some, we're always going to attract people. It might not be the people that we're expecting to attract, but really at the end of the day, if you're, if you're looking at this from the point of view of an entrepreneur or a business person, people like doing business with people that they like and they trust. Yeah. And so there's a, go ahead. There's another aspect to that mindset. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on. And, and I, and I, I love your comment. In fact, my firm, law firm logo has a plant in it, um, <laughs> uh, you know, because it was, you know, with the same, the same kind of idea. And also that we're, you know, we're growing things, we're dealing, we're helping entrepreneurs. It's a matter of, it's all about growth. And to me, uh, as a general counsel and, and as a lawyer, you know, if, if you're not about trying to grow the business, you're taking the wrong attitude. Um, to me, there is, you know, this cycle of being restructured out of, for some reason, that job comes to an end yeah. is approaching inevitability. Uh, you know, when I grew up, the idea was you join a company that would be your home for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. You know, you would retire 25 years, gold watch, right? <laughs> it's not happening anymore. Um, and, and, uh, but that also, uh, to me, that's a strong reason to consider entrepreneurship as a, a particularly as you, as you get a little gray into your hair, um, you know, as I've said to people, uh, I've I've seen the movie of what happens to uh, executives who become really knowledgeable and therefore really expensive in their 50s. The next time a bean counter comes along who wants to have a good quarter. Uh, and I, I know how that movie comes out and I don't need to see that movie again. Um, but there's another aspect of what's going on that, that I think even broader than the legal profession. And I think this comes up a lot in the compliance profession which is people get restructured out. And these days, instead of saying, I'm looking for a new opportunity, they say, I'm consulting. And they open up a little consulting firm and they get a logo and they get a website. And then the first time a good job offer comes along, they snap at it and then the consulting firm is gone. Mm-hmm. Did, did you think about how to, or are you advising people, how to differentiate themselves uh, both in marketing and in mindset, between the uh, entrepreneurship is is merely a, a a rest stop on the way to my next corporate gig, um, and no entrepreneurship is now me. That is my identity. That's what I'm about. I'm not turning back. Well, I've I've said from the beginning, I'm not I'm not evangelical about this, right? I, I I've found that in terms of my own career trajectory, even how I got into ethics and compliance was somebody said, Would you like to do this? We need your help. And I was like, hmm, 
it looks really interesting. I like the people involved. I see the problem that needs to be solved and I want to be a part of the solution. So with that same mindset, I, I can't say that I would, you know, never say never to whatever next thing, next thing might appear. But in terms of something being a rest stop, I feel like I feel like the market would know. I feel like your your client base would be able to tell if you were in it, if you were going to be around or not. And I mean, I don't, I don't like if those people want to do that, that's fine. I don't see anything wrong with that as long as you know they're able to like feed their families and provide a good service to their clients, you know. Um, and I. What I what I do wonder about though is 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 investment. So if you if you don't have a medium or a long term vision, it might be hard to make investments because you don't know if you're going to be there in the long term, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we have we all have Wi Fi, we have laptops. I mean, in one respect, that's kind of all it takes. But I also think that, you know, if you look at your question in a slightly different way. It's kind of like what startups do, right? They have a, they want to have a great idea. They want to get a little bit of traction. And then they're hoping that some, some bigger company will come and make them a big offer so they can cash out and they can become part mm-hmm. of like a bigger structure. So mm-hmm. in a way, there's, there's a, there's, you can make an analogy there that everyone is always looking to, you know, I think everyone's always looking to better their situation, whether that means more money or more time or better quality of work or being better able to make, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know that like I'm often, I'm, I'm fascinated by the trajectory of people, especially people like us, like lawyers who transition to different things. And, you know, and, and I, I don't, what my retirement plan is to read all these biographies that I plan to read one day. I don't read them now because I, I like, I like fiction too much. But when you see somebody over the long span of their career and they've done all these amazing things and then they kind of see like the pinnacle that they reached, you're like, wow, it all made sense. When they did this, all these unrelated, like when it's your life, you feel like all of these things are unrelated. Mm-hmm. At least that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Mm. But when you look at someone else, especially someone whom you admire, especially someone who you're seeing kind of at like the pinnacle of their uh of their life's work, whatever that might be, professional or otherwise. I always find that those people's paths make a lot of sense because you can kind of see how they're learning different skill sets or or their knowledge has expanded. And so I actually do find it quite fascinating when people do make these movements. I per- personally, I find that really, you know, more interesting than like if I was to choose a novel or a mm-hmm. biography to pick up off the bookshelf, I find those more interesting than with. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't hold it. I mean, I'm not saying that you're saying this, Jason, but I wouldn't hold it against them if they kind of found a better opportunity. Um, but, but to your specific question about whether if I add consultants to my name on my LinkedIn profile, am I actually doing something? Or is that just to, to explain a gap on my resume? Um, I I'm hope I hope for those people who are doing that that they actually are they have a good story to tell because I do think that if their ultimate goal is reemployment, I think employees can be quite judgmental about those kinds of gaps in the resume. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like I've given you many mm -hmm. answers to your your question. I think that's a really in Jason. It's a great question. Uh, I love it. But I think what's really interesting about that is maybe, and it goes back to the mindset. But I think the difference is and is the mission that you have. Yeah. So, yeah. like, so for example, I get asked mm -hmm. a lot of my work. People ask me to come and help out with a particular cultural issue. And I say to them, I'm going to come and work with your team for a period of time so I can get this right, because I'm not useful, completely external from your organization. And my most successful work is when I'm involved properly with the organization, but externally, but I'm with the team for a period of, and it could, it could be months, yeah, um, and, and different clients at the same time. That's so important. It is so important. It doesn't stop me from my mission, which I'm, I'm really, really clear about, which is empowering organizations to create their own and produce their own great, great training. But it does allow me to be flexible in my approach, but I still have that overriding mission. And, and if I'm hearing well, you right, I, I think that you have a mission, you have a purpose, and that stems, it's not just to do with work, it's also to do with your family. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's so funny because I, I, I struggle with the elevator pitch. Like I would need a very yeah, long, yeah. very tall building. <laughs> I've read your elevator pitch on, I don't know. I, I reckon you've got a very good ele elevator pitch. I, everyone go and look at her LinkedIn profile. It's a good elevator pitch. Um, right. <laughs> I you. think it works. Um, I, and, and look, Jason's going to speak with you about that as well. Kind of the intersection of ethics, entrepreneurship and, and, and and working with with organizations which is where i think you your your work really comes to life um and and i guess we've kind of uh, uh, jason and i are really really interested in the mindset because we think that that's where it all starts sure yeah and i mean I, think, I would yeah oh sorry i would say that no, no, in no. terms of uh, in terms of mindset if i had to sort of really distill it mm -hmm. you know i mean there's many different many different aspects to it but the biggest mindset, and it might be a, a, a symptom of my age or stage, it's like, why not me? Why not me? Why not you? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. why? Yeah. what What reason is there that you yeah. cannot achieve what it is that you wish to achieve? Yeah, I love that. Right? Yeah. Like, whether it's, no matter what it is, why not you? Like, who are yeah. you That's to so say no to yourself? Amy, it strikes me it's such a fundamentally an entrepreneurial mindset, right? It's the, the entrepreneur who says, I have an idea. It, it, you know what? It is a better idea. The way I've thought of this product, it is a better approach to it. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to get, I think, one of the leaps for, for, for people becoming entrepreneurial in whatever they do is that confidence. It's like, you know what? I, I am, I'm basically, I am allowed to have a new idea. Yeah. I am allowed to see something with my experience and say, I can think of a better way. Yeah. Um, and to me, the true entrepreneurs, internally or externally, the true entrepreneurs are the people who, once they have that idea, they, they simply cannot stand the reality of that idea not becoming a reality. Mm -hmm. Right? They have to see it happen and they carry it through. Yeah. And whether that's a new other... kind of course oh, or a new approach to a new approach to a corporate job or actually starting up a business with a new product or service. The other thing I, I would, I would add uh, to that, to the mindset piece is being allowed to fail, right? You're allowed to try things mm -hmm. and it might not work out. 
and mm-hmm. that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, and there's, I mean, the creative process anyway is all about mistakes and failing. Like, you don't achieve anything unless you have little tiny minute mistakes along the way. And that you know, and and being an an entrepreneur that also means in knowing where to invest your time and energy. And that was just the last question I was actually going to ask you, which. it's it's something that I was thinking about is where do you like to most spend your time in your business? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I like to spend the time. um, There's two things I like about being in the business. One is I like helping individual people solve whatever problem they are solving that they're trying to solve. Um, especially when they're smaller businesses where sometimes it's it's you see that the impact of the problem will have an outsized impact on them because the business is small and they're more vulnerable so you really want to kind of help them get it right but also help them understand the risks Mm. Um, but even even in with larger companies it's that one-on-one relationship and, and seeing that someone's working on this problem um, and then seeing how that problem itself, like, let's say you're trying to, you know, trying to get a deal. Mm-hmm. Why is that deal important? Well, the deal is important uh, for the company for this reason. And the deal is important to that individual for their, for their professional growth. But also I have to, to, to be honest, like it's important to me to really be excited about the mission of the company as well. Like I turned off. Of, of the company of as well. Company. Like I've, I've, yeah. I've turned, I've turned away work where I'm like, you know what? I, that's not really jiving with me. Like yeah. I can't, I can't get like that a cigarette excited. Company. About- like, like a cigarette company. If, if a cigarette company came to you tomorrow. Well, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not going to answer that because it hasn't happened, but I, I have, yeah. a, I have but I do work with mining companies. Yeah. And me too. I like, I like being involved with companies that are trying to do better. I yep. like being involved with companies whose impact is so mm. big that it's important for them to do better. Mm. So I actually, from that point of view, I love working with power companies, infrastructure companies, mining companies, because we like we need them. They're not going away. And they have real outsized impact mm-hmm. like compared to, you know, compared to other types of industries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important for me to, you know, the way I see it, whether I'm external or internal, they're like I'm part of their mission, and so I have to be excited about their mission, or at least I have to respect their mission. Mm-hmm. You I know, like and, and 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 it's really funny because prior to COVID, I I probably would have had a a less positive attitude about the entertainment world because I've always been on the infrastructure side of things. Uh. Yeah. But what was the first thing my family turned to on like day one of COVID? Netflix. Netflix, movies, the Marvel universe, yeah. Harry yeah. Potter again and again and again. And I it really, for me, was like, wow, like I was like this total snob. I thought that this is not like adding like real value mm-hmm. to life, mm-hmm. but like that's what we did for like a year or 18 yeah. months. And, and, and imagine in terms of mission, someone like my mom, who's a, in England by herself without family around her because she can't see anybody in lockdown, Netflix was her savior. 
like it was, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it actually was, it was her mental space. She had something, she had people that she could look forward to seeing in a show. Yeah. So I love yeah. that. I really love mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about that, you know, it's not what they do, but it's what it's how they do it. I think you're saying it's their mission is do I believe in what they're trying to do? Are they make, are they trying to make our world a better place? Um so I think yeah. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah that's, and, that's very powerful. And and when I when I and when I was an employee, I, I always felt like that as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was partly why I struggled with working at a law firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it gets better when you're an, a partner or, or a mm-hmm. senior associate. But as a junior associate, even though the quality of the work objectively yep. was great, um, mm-hmm. you would be exposed to so many different clients. You never got a chance to get to know what does a client do? What does a client care about what is a client's mission on this on this earth and how am I contributing to that and so I kind of just felt sort of disconnected from that and that's why I think I had such a long career in-house because I got excited about okay this is you know we're all marching in the same direction that's the goal we just want to get to the goal in the most safest uh you know logical uh ethical way you know, with the yeah. least amount of risk. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been very, very attractive to me. So I do find sometimes now that I'm working for myself and I have a variety of clients, sometimes I miss that feeling. Like I'm like, oh, goodbye. Yeah. You know, you help them with whatever project that they yeah. hired you to help and them with. And you're like, you know, send me postcards. Let me know how it went. Yeah. yeah. Have a nice yeah, life. Yeah. So true. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Um, I think that's a really lovely, um, I guess, segue into the area that you're going to speak about, which is ethics, Jason. So as I said at the beginning, this is the first and the second part of our episode. So look out for the second part of this episode when Jason and Amy will be talking about ethics or the intersection between ethics and entrepreneurship. All right then guys, we put a lot of faith in the ideas and leadership of the eight mindsets cohort. So why not consider joining? Go to www.tradinghats.com and also at the website, there are a heap of materials and resources to support you to produce your own effective and learner-centric training or to have us help you to make that training. And you can find out how you can be amongst the professionals that we are proud to coach and mentor. The Eight Mindsets podcast is a production of the Training Hats Initiative, Copyright 2021, Great Training LTD, and Lead Good LLC, all rights reserved. And that's a wrap.